Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. Crime. LGBT. Thriller. You have now entered the House of Mystery. With your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. Good on FM Los Angeles. 102.3 FM Riverside. And 1050 AM Palm Springs. And joining us now is the one and only uh, Peter Vronsky. How are you doing, Peter? Great. Thanks for having me on. So what's going on in the world of of Professor Vronsky? Well, a couple of things. Um, I'm kind of writing a follow-up to my last book, uh, Sons of uh, Cain, um, tentatively titled The Golden Age of Serial Murder, a term uh, coined by Harold Schechter, who I'm a great admirer of as a writer. Uh, so I'm kind of focusing on the history of serial killers and what Schechter kind of tongue-in-cheek described as the golden age this period between 1970 and 1999, um, where we had this huge surge of serial killers. Um, you know, the John Wayne Gacy, Jeffrey Dahmer, Ted Bundy era of serial murder, to which we seem to have, you know, some, some 20 years later now, have uh, kind of returned with a nostalgia, um, a whole new generation of uh, people who maybe were not even alive in that era are, are now being introduced to Ted Bundy and, um, you know, uh, Edmund uh, Kemper and, and all those guys, uh, kind of, we older folk had grown up with as, 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 you know, serial killers being out there in our own times. So there is this kind of strange going back to the times before. And, th- and so, yeah. I was going to say, you think that's because so much of it is televised and there's so many programs and podcasts now and everything about the killers? 
Well, it's that, and 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 it's also kind of this, you know, almost decline um, in serial killers over the last twenty years. Um, you know, where are our Jeffrey Dahmer's, our mm. uh, you know Ted Bundy's today? You, you know, it's not really. Um, it doesn't kind of. I don't know what what the word is. It somehow doesn't kind of grip us in the way um, you know serial murder did, and even these these code cases being broken. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, like the Golden State Killer was a golden ager. He was too from the seventies and eighties. So it seems like we're we're drawn back to that era, at, at least as consumers of serial killer culture and true crime culture. I mean, we have these 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 occasional cases, obviously, especially in Canada here. I don't know, you know, from yeah. from the colonel to the gardener. Uh, yeah. Boy, you know, have we been contributing? Uh, For sure, <laughs> but politely. Yeah. <laughs> it must be something to do with the cold, because uh, then you have aerial keys from Alaska as well. Right. That, exactly. That's one of the few American um, kind of serial killers from the recent age that that um, kind of made the headlines. But but I think it's partly you know fragmentation of media, as as, as you say. You have all these shows, and, and of course you have online media as well. So you know things have become more focused and fragmented, and 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 so we don't get our news anymore from that single source the way we used to in the nineties. So, you know, essentially Jeffrey Dahmer was kind of the last, um, you know, pre-O.J. Simpson murders, um, celebrity serial killer, so 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 to speak, of that classic serial. Mm. So now, if there has 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 the, the the type of serial killers changed, and I mean that as in, uh, are there more women killing now? Uh, um, is it strictly still, as people say, uh, mainly a white man? Well, definitely not mainly a, a, a white man anymore. Um, more are African Americans or other races than uh, whites. So it's no longer that we have this presumption, you know, that the serial killer is going to be white. So that's certainly changed. Um, the psychology essentially remains the same. Um, the methodology starts changing, of course, you know, um, the ubiquitous of uh, cell phones and, you know, online media, um, of course, has, you know, changed how serial killers troll for their victims now. Now, you know, they can do it online. Um, it helps police as well, of course. Uh, you know, a serial homicide investigation is often about putting a single suspect in the vicinity of multiple victims. And, of course, um, you know, every victim now carries a cell phone, whether the suspect does or not. Um, but, uh, you know, you're beginning to get a lot more data, geographic data, on the patterns in serial killing that, that I think, you know, make these cases easier to solve and are solved sometimes, you know, much quicker than they would have been in kind of the, the pre-cell phone era. Do you think, do you think that the um, serial killer will evolve but to get, to get around that? 
Well, some certainly will. Um, of course, uh, you know, you have kind of this this um, a species of serial killers who are very forensically aware, as uh, police would say. Uh, the serial killers will research, um, they will read academic forensic literature, they will read police manuals, um, you know, they will keep up to it. So when you have a highly organized and relatively intelligent um, serial killer, you know, who's not acting on an impulse, um, they're certainly going to compensate for all these new techniques. Same with DNA. Uh, a lot of serial killers are you know, very aware of, of DNA. Now, now, um, are women killers becoming more violent in their in their uh, killing? Um, well, if you're, it depends what you you know. If you're talking about like single murder female killers, I don't really know. I, I'm it's kind of not my field. Um, female serial killers I have historically found um, well I guess it's how you term violence I guess if you mean overtly violent that's a possibility I mean, um, using beyond um, what the traditional method was poison certainly um, as, as women are more empowered they're more empowered to use you know the kind of weapons that males have used have used. Um, although the knife, um, I think, is certainly in a spontaneous murder, uh, non-planned murder, I think, is, is still a, a leading weapon among female murderers, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Or scissors. <laughs> so, Peter, just, um, it's Julie, just um, thinking about the trends in terms of you were saying that there's, there's a significant shift in the expectation that it's going to be a white serial killer as opposed to a black African serial killer that we're seeing more and more now. Has that same trend shifted in women? Are we still are we seeing a cultural shift as well? Or Well, I think we've, we've certainly seen a cultural shift. I don't know what um, that cultural shift, by what kind of statistics... Um, mm. it, it, it's represented. I couldn't tell you. Um, it's been a while since I've looked at female serial killers. Um, so as, as, as I'm kind of, even Sons of Cain um, is essentially focused not only on serial killers, but on a specific category of serial killers that's, you know, the sexual serial killers. So, um, you know, I haven't really looked at women serial killers since about 2005 when my book came out. Um, since then, um, you know, you certainly are aware of shifts in violence um, among women, but already I was seeing that in, in, in the early 2000s. So, I, you know, you have kind of this double shift. Um, you have a general drop in murder and homicide and violent crime in the United States since the 1990s. Um, so I don't know if statistically, you know, this is something um, I should look at, whether statistically you have the same kind of uh, curve, downward curve among female offenders. Are there less female murderers now? 
uh, or female perpetrated murders, never mind serial murders, um, I couldn't tell you. So if I don't so know, I don't know. So if, you, if you've made a decision to look at a specific um, group of serial killers or a, um, or a type of serial killer or male or female, was that a conscious decision by yourself to focus on a male rather than um, a female? I, I think partly because, um, you know, I'm a male uh, mm. and, and um, I've always, you know, wondered about this aspect of, of, of male behavior. Um, somehow, I think also, when people think of the term serial killer, often the Jack the Rippers, um, John Wayne Gacy's, Ted Bundy's uh, come to mind. Um, and, and, and so I think there were so many kind of sociological, historical um, explanations for female serial killers um, mm. that that I, I was just more interested in the male, in the male version. And in particular, again, the, the male sexual serial killer, the, quote, traditional serial killer. Mm. Now, um, I have to mention, too, now, I've noticed you've been in New Jersey a lot and stuff. Have you been uh, working on uh, the Richard Coddington case, Coddingham case? Yes, well, exactly. That's, um, you know, the, the alpha and omega of everything I've been doing about serial killers. Um, you know, Coddingham, I had very briefly run into as he was fleeing um, the scene of a crime, quite, you know, everybody knows this story by now. Uh, and, and that was back in 79 when I was 23 years old. And as I was finishing Sons of Cain, um, I was assuming, you know, the Sons of Cain, the subtitle is uh, History of Serial Killers from the Stone Age to the Present. So there wasn't going to be Volume 3. Uh, there's no place to go after the present or before the Stone Age. Uh, and, and so just as I'm finishing the book, um, the daughter of one of the victims of Richard Cottingham at the hotel where I had encountered him, where he had beheaded two women and took away their heads, those heads were never found, the daughter uh, contacted me uh, and, and told me that she had been meeting with uh, Cottingham in an attempt to get him to reveal where he buried those heads or what he did with those heads uh, and, and, and she was having kind of problems getting a sense of narrative from him and would I come down to New Jersey and visit with him one day she'll introduce me and you know, she, she kind of said, you know, you can write a book about it maybe, you know. I'm, I thought, shit, yeah, right? I mean, this is, I've written Cottingham. Every time I was going to do a book, I would write Cottingham and, you know, never get a response. So that's how this project came into being. And, and, and uh, so I've been now 18 months visiting with him in in Trenton State Prison and interviewing him and collecting all this material uh, on on his case and his cases and and um, 
You know, it's a trip. I, I'm, I'm almost speechless uh, because I have no idea whether I'm at the beginning of this book or in the middle of it now or at the end of it. I, I have no idea as, as, you know, I'm looking at all these, you know, Cottingham claims he murdered a hundred uh, women at least. And um, the, the more I look um, and, and kind of check and research on the things he says, um, it, it's, it's, I, he might not be lying. Um, so just in New Jersey, I've, um, since 1963, up until 1980, when Cottingham was finally arrested and put away, um, I've identified about 58 unsolved sexual murders of um, uh, girls, adolescent girls, teenagers, and young women, um, unsolved. And I know that uh, three of them Cottingham had now just recently confessed to uh, in 2014 and in 2017. Uh, three cases going back to 1968 and 1969 um, that have been quietly closed. Uh, as as um, you know, there's not going to be a prosecution essentially mm -hmm. because Cottingham's away for the rest of his life. He's never coming out, and and they're hoping he's going to confess to more as as well. So. Um have you talked to any of the families of those particular victims? And, you know, when it comes to a non-prosecution, how they might feel about that? Um, I have. Um, in fact, I worked with the sister very closely of one of the victims. Uh, and, in fact, um, Jennifer Weiss, the daughter of Dita Godarzi, who was one of the torso victims in New York in 79, um, put um, the sister together to talk with Cottingham uh, because, um, as I say, he um, had confessed to this uh, 1969 murder uh, exactly, almost exactly 50 years ago, now 50 years and a couple of months. Um, and, and, of course, she has been since 1969, harboring all these different suspects and, and, and just not understanding why that case was not closed and, and, and resolved. And, and she had this opportunity to um, talk to Cottingham and, and, and um, you know, the, the, the she actually forgave him. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that kind of helped her. That's not going to be the position of a lot of victim families. So, you know, I, I, um, I kind of try not to intrude on yeah. victim families. Um, I, I, you know, I'm easy to find. And, and so if they need um, somehow to be in touch with me, they, they, they do get in touch with me. Um, but I, I kind of try to leave victim families alone in, 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 in these cases, and unless I need their, you know, help to to 
um, open the case or, or, or perhaps even assist in closing a case. Mm. That makes sense. Mm. So, so with um, Cunningham, so did you ever find the, the heads or did you ever hear um, a resolution to what happened to them? Um, the heads were looked for and weren't found uh, where he said they were. Um, they're kind of, you know, depending on his uh, 73-year-old memory, and, and his memory definitely, I know, is um, failing as, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm in my 60s and I know how my memory's gone over the last 15 years or so, so I imagine hitting 73. So um, what I have to say is, is that um, when Jennifer and I contacted both NYPD and uh, Bergen County Prosecutor's Office that, that in whose jurisdiction this, this case would have been, um, the response was surprisingly uh, swift and decisive. They did a search. They brought all the technology and all the animals in. Um, I might have not quite done it the way they did it, but they did it. Um, they're satisfied that the heads might have been where he says they were um, or, or are not. Um, you, you know, it was a... The bottom line is the heads weren't found. They're still... How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Looking. Um, trying to expand that area. It's, it's a kind of a limited area. Um, but, you know, we're talking 40 years, uh, yeah. and it's near a riverfront. And so it's been, you know, there are all sorts of reasons why the heads might not be there, um, aside from the one big thing, and this is the entire nightmare of interviewing a serial killer, that he's blatantly lying to us. That, that this is, you know, this is what psychopaths do. Not necessarily to deceive, but simply to do. Um, you know, so some of them believe in their own lies. Sure. Um, so, you know, from his descriptions, I was able to pinpoint a very narrow um, area. Um, and, 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 and to this day, I don't know whether, you know, certainly NYPD, as I said, wanted to find those, those heads. We even had reactions there from, from uh, cadaver dogs. So that kind of brought them back with equipment. Was, was was a big exercise. Um, it could be that he buried them in, in, in that general area, or... It could be simply this romantic story that he had spun for Jennifer, um, rather than tell her that he threw her mother's heads, um, you know, into the into a trash bin or somewhere, and then they were never found. Um, he spun this story about selecting this beautiful location because he had felt bad. Um, having killed her and, 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 and so forth, uh, you know, we could certainly have. would like to have found the heads, but um, I will know eventually to what extent he's been lying in bullshit. Oh, my. You know, as I go down the line interviewing him, you begin to kind of divide things that are... Uh, possibly faults in his memory, uh, or just things that he sincerely believes in but are not true, or outright blatant um, lies. And, and his and, motive, and, his motive for lying might just be um, that that's his thing that he wants to keep to himself. You know, we've we've seen it with a few serial killers where they'll they'll keep one thing that is very personal to them. Um, something that thrills them uh, a secret because they don't want to share it. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, so you know that that uh, you know is he holding on to the last vestiges of, of you know what he his connection to the outside to freedom, right? Mm. Um, is 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 a big question, and and that's the nature of the beast. And and I should say, you know, this is like the first serial killer I'm sitting down and interviewing um, in all these years. I, I I never wanted to, other than him, because of just that personal thing. And and so um, you know, I've I've 
watched hundreds of hours of interviews with serial killers, read transcripts and, and so forth, and nothing was really asked of them that, um, you know, I would want to ask. I, 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 you know, that's the same questions I would ask. And so um, the answers were not very satisfying. And, and so I never had a kind of desire to go in there. I had nothing new to ask them. But in the case of Cottingham, of course, that, that's a whole different, uh, different uh, animal there. Well, was he known for taking all of the heads uh, and leaving the torsos, or what, what did he do well, with those? Well, what's amazing about Cottingham is um, just the diversity and versatility of, of his victims. Um, some he, know, he had known, some he dated, uh, some were... Um, uh, quote respectable working employed women or um, a mother and a housewife um, others were runaways or um, prostitutes uh, and, 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 and so the range of where he left them as well uh, some were schoolgirls right? the, 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 you know, because he killed for so long you know, he doesn't confess. He's put away in 1980 for the murders that he had committed between 1977 and 1980. Um, in 1977, he kills an x-ray technician, a nurse by the name of Carr. Uh, and, and then um, there's really nothing on him until 1979, where in 1979 he'll now... Uh, commit those two murders in a hotel in New York, uh, sever their heads, set their torsos on fire. Um, then he'll return back to uh, New Jersey and, and he'll kill a girl in the motel. Uh, then he'll return back to New York and kill a, uh, a pro also a prostitute. The girl in the motel was a prostitute. A prostitute in the New York motel. And here... Um, rather than cutting her head off, he'll sever her breasts and pose them um, on the bed and um, set her body on fire in that hotel room. In New Jersey, in the motel murders there, he's doing a completely different thing. There he leaves the body stuffed underneath the bed. No mutilation whatsoever. Um, and, and, and so it, it, it you know, police are kind of looking at this strange string of murders on both sides of the river, but they're so different. There's no assumption that there's a serial killer um, out there. And, and then if you, and nobody ever looked at him for those murders in 68 and 69 until 2010. In 2010, Cottingham confesses now to a murder he committed in 1967, 10 years before the earliest known murder. Um, and, and of course, that's, you know, the murder of, of, of Vogel. And, uh, and now he's confessed to three murders subsequent to 67, and the victims are completely different now from... The 67, who, who's a 29-year-old housewife with kids, 
um, who he knew, and the three adolescent and teenage girls he kills now in New Jersey um, in a completely different way in 68 and 69, which he has confessed to. And that's the game changer. Um, and, and so anything is possible now with, with, with Cottingham. And, 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 of course, he himself says that, you know, he traveled extensively in the United States. Um, he would drive to his, uh, where his parents retired in Tampa, Florida, so we're talking, you know, that road down there. He would often fly to Las Vegas to gamble. So, you know, we're talking about the desert out there. Uh, and then you have, of course, New York, where he worked, uh, and all the, you know, states in that, that region. So there are at least... I would say five coat case squads in five different jurisdictions currently actively um, investigating Cottingham as a suspect in, in um, a you know, series of murders, going back, as I say, as early as the 1960s. Hmm. Wow, that's going to be... Uh, when do you think you'll get that finished? One of those. Yeah. <laughs> How can you say? You know. Yeah, this is a very different book from from the kind you know, because as a historian, you kind of are writing about the long past. Uh, you're you're dealing with uh, you know archival sources, documents, um, other literature, and, and and so forth. You're synthesizing that kind of in 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 your own historical premise, and and it essentially is your evidence. So it's 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 a kind of a table top kind of type of writing, uh, where this book is something I have never done. It's closer to what I used to do in the film business when I was making documentaries where um, you know, I would essentially throw myself into this adventure and make sure I have a camera crew with me. And, 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 and I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know where it ends and when it ends. And, and, and now I'm doing it as a writer, essentially. And, and, and so there is that active aspect and then there's the research um, aspect and the personal um, kind of interview aspect because I'm, I'm dealing with all these living people um, as witnesses from um, you know cops who investigated him, cops who are currently investigating him. You know, some guys investigating Cottingham um, hadn't even been born when Cottingham was put away. <laughs> you know, uh, this has been a lot of years has, has gone by, and, um, and and then of course the historical documents as well. Um, just what happened in the five trials that that took place. Um, you know, Cottingham fought tooth and nail. In you know, he's arrested as I say, 1980, and the last trial was going to end in 1984. Um, there were three trials, and and Cottingham fought tooth and nail, insisting that he's innocent um, through those uh, four years. Um, never, never, never cracked, right? Um, and never talked to the press afterwards. He vanished. The person who um, kind of 
Garth Cardingham into the light was Nadia Fitzani uh, in 2009. Nadia Fitzani, who kind of resembles um, Dita Godarzi as well. She's of Tunisian origin, uh, where Dita Godarzi was, um, she's described as Kuwaiti, but she wasn't. Dita Godarzi was um, Iranian. Um, she just had been born to Iranians employed in, in Kuwait, but she's Persian. Uh, and her story is fascinating as I'm putting it together through, you know, kind of the intersection of, of this victim and, and, and the perpetrator. But um, Nadia Fitzani, um started corresponding with Richard Cottingham. Uh, and, uh, you know, she's, she's, she's a journalist based in Montreal. I think now she's, she's in the U.S. And um, Nadia persuaded Cottingham, because he wanted to meet her, um, to do a one-hour interview for French television on the promise that this interview would never see the light of day in English in North America, um, and not realizing and not understanding YouTube, right? And 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 so, 2010, Cottingham makes this first time, you know, since ever. He never talked to any journalist ever, um, you know. Didn't sell any of his, you know, artwork. Uh, the only people he correspondent with obviously were women and and that's a key too um, you know often sex serial killers are, are, are not really interested in, in, in um, corresponding with males um, you know un unless of course they're gay uh, serial killers so so um, Nadia managed to get all this access to, to uh, Cottingham and um, as did then um, you know Jennifer Weiss who looks a, you know has her mother's uh, features and and she was inspired by Nadia she, you know, she, had, she was very frightened of Cottingham after learning that he had killed her mother. You know, this was a recent thing she had learned because um, what happened, of course, you know, how they identified Dita Godarzi was on the basis of a, um, a cesarean scar. Uh, and so when they started looking for women gone missing who, um, as well, she had a pair of shoes that were only sold in a few places in New Jersey. So they started looking for women who disappeared in New Jersey who might have had a, a cesarean scar and eventually pulled her x-rays out from a hospital in, in Trenton and identified her by these anomalies in her bone structure in the x-rays. That's how they got her name. And um, a year before that, she had given up this infant girl for adoption, considering her lifestyle. Right? And so Jennifer Weiss is the girl. And, and, and so as she... Um, is in her early 20s, sometimes in the early 2000s, she wants to find now her biological mother. And, and, and she manages to track down and open the adoption record. And, and there she finds out that she's a victim of a serial homicide. And, and now, for years, she has this kind of hysterical, almost fear of serial killers until she sees that YouTube interview 
um, that Nadia does with with Richard Cottingham. Uh, and 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 Cottingham, of course, now looks like Santa Claus. In fact, that's his um, that's his um, kind of nickname, Bad Santa. What, that's, the visiting a scary, room. that's a pretty yeah. scary Santa Claus, actually. You know, Cottingham now, um, you know, he essentially, like, literally looks like Santa Claus. He's this huge white beard, uh, flowing hair um, down to his shoulders, and on top of that, he's got this kind of baby, Chris Crinkle face. Um, you know, so as they wheel him through the visiting room, you, you know, you, you sometimes hear like kids uh, going, "Bad Santa, bad Santa," <laughs> you know. Um, and 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 so because he's so amiable, um, you know, kind of a New Jersey Bronx boy uh, accent, uh, good sense of humor, um, like I say, this kind of amiability, which is uh, precisely how he got all these women to trust him until he put him into a vulnerable position, and then he would pounce, right? Um, Jennifer went to see him, and, 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 and so they formed this, um, you know, kind of relationship now, uh, partly adversarial, partly conspiratorial, um, to to um, with her kind of offering him her forgiveness, and him, you know, here's where history will have to come into play. We don't know yet until it becomes history whether Cunningham sincerely has given her the location of her mother's head. Um, or whether this, you know, he's just mistaken, or he's just jerking us around. You know, the thing when you're interviewing psychopaths is um, psychopaths are very good at lying because they have a technique where they um, build their lies on a foundational core of truths. And, and, and so that also, however, puts them in a vulnerable position if you have the time and patience to continue talking with them. Because eventually, what, what you do is, is you um, look away from what the answer to your question is going to be and listen to the truths on which they build the lie. Uh, like kind of like like picking uh, um, you know corn kernels out of a pile of boots. Oh my! Um, and so eventually, um, interview after interview, you have um, a few lies, but then you have a lot of foundational truths, and and you got to work with those truths, and and when you start putting them all together then some things get revealed that they actually would rather you not have found out. Well, now you have a website, and uh, what's the website so people can... Uh, my website is um, petervronsky.org. Perfect. Well, and as well as I have one specifically for the New Jersey murders called New Jersey Girl Murders 
org. Okay, well, we'll check that out. I will have that poster on our website as well, so our listeners can go to it and one click and they find you. Great. It's a well, pleasure being on and I uh, look forward to hearing this. Thank you very much, Peter. Thanks, Take Peter. Care, guys. Thanks, Peter. Thanks. Bye-bye. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. 